0: Afternoon in my dressing gown, you lot can't see that, but Craig can. Uh, here with uh Craig Scott, we we'll do a quick review of Joshua. And I thought, as you previewed it with me, Craig, I thought it's only right that you come on and review. Um, but before we start talking about Anthony Joshua, let's just quickly just a couple of we have to comment on K- Ken Buchanan and his passing, obviously, a you know, a legend of British boxing. Um, is th- what's do you have any memories of him? Did you grow up knowing about him? Anything like that? Um, I think, I
1: don't know if you can hear, there's a siren in the background there which is yeah. synonymous with Glasgow suburban life, so apologies, <laughs> um, yeah listen fantastic, you know probably probably Scotland's greatest, um, a lot of people would, would give him the nod and, and say he's the greatest boxer that Scotland's produced, my, my kind of first introduction to Ken Buchanan was the, the fight with Jim Watt, it's, you know it's a Scottish classic, a British boxing classic and it was in a kind of small hall, show in, in a hotel back in the day and, and then obviously you you see him getting stopped by Roberto Duran, you see him winning against Ismael Laguna, you know, he was he was a proper, proper fighter back in the day and I think when you look at his career, you you don't see that trajectory anymore. So he came up, you know, British title, world title and then he, when he was kind of on the way down, he was still fighting for titles again so he went back and won the British again, he won the European again and, you know those kind of ups and downs. You you don't really tend to see that anymore. So fantastic career. Um, you know a Scottish boxing legend and a, and a really troubled, a really troubled guy post mm. post retirement post boxing. A lot of serious kind of issues with alcohol that were that were well documented and became a real sad story for a time. Um, and I think he managed to pick himself up again and he and he had a lot of good people around him that kind of seen him all right towards the end but um a, a tremendous fighter and and really sad to see him to see him pass away obviously as a as a scottish boxing fan as well
0: yeah it was a shame that you know he, he couldn't you know that it happened it happened on you know it was announced on saturday wasn't it and that the, the guys that run in the matchroom show couldn't you know get anything together but maybe the next the next british card that happens that there can be a real tribute to him and it's it's so rare you see that these days that that someone that's been at world title level that's boxed a guy like roberto duran would actually drop down and go for a european title again and go for a british title and you have a look three four fights from the end and he's boxing boxing in a british title eliminator like it's you just don't see that now do you but their egos tell no i'm world champion i'm a world level fighter i stay at world level but he was like, no, I'm just gonna, you know, I know where I am, I know where my level is, and he's and he just, but still wanted to, still wanted to win the domestic titles, and I guess that probably shows that he held those titles in the esteem they deserve to be.
1: Yeah, I think when you look at when you look at his career as well, you know the the places that he went to, and you know he fought in Cagliari's football stadium, he fought in Japan, you know he, he fought all over the place, you know just. If you were to look at his career and examine it and try and educate some kind of younger boxing fans on what these guys were doing back in the day, you know it's it's incredible stuff to to kind of look back on and you know hopefully uh, hope, hopefully he's he's at peace and, and a, a shame to see him pass away. But yeah, unbelievable career and, and a British
0: boxing legend, a boxing legend. Scrap, scrap the British, just a boxing legend mm-hmm. in general. Just saw that he boxed in Denmark quite a lot. I just have a look at his box record. He's got about seven, eight fights over in Denmark. I don't know if they, I don't know if they loved him over there. it was like a Jorge Linares type thing where he came over and smashed up their locals and then went back home again. But uh, such such a strange thing. But obviously a great thing to to box in all these different countries. But to see that Denmark like eight times. Fair play to him. But absolutely, it's like weird, you isn't said, it, a box. Isn't? Hmm.
1: Go he he, boxed a Northern Irish guy over there. So I don't know if they were just putting shows on over there, or I
0: think he boxed Charlie Nash over there. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, bizarre, very bizarre. Maybe yeah, maybe he had a fan club over there. You know, it's like rock bands, right? They 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 become big in Europe <laughs> and they're going tour there. Maybe they had a, maybe there was a Ken Buchanan fan club over in Denmark and they they loved him over there and he went <laughs> over there and you know lock up your daughters. He had his, he had his pick of the litter over there. Who knows? <laughs> Um but like you said, top fighter, boxing legend, and uh condolences to his family and all of that. Um let's talk about the weekend. We're we're just gonna do a quick half an hour for you guys. You guys have had eight you guys have had three podcasts in eight days, so I don't want to hear it. If you lot's like you haven't done an hour. No, I can't be bothered. I've got to go out, I've got stuff to do. Um So we both picked a stoppage for Joshua, didn't we? Um didn't mm. come to pass, did it, Craig?
1: No, it didn't mean It was um I mean, obviously, there's there's been lots of chat after the fight, during the fight, about you know, did Anthony Joshua look disappointing? Did he look a bit gun shy? Um, I there there was a lot there was a lot to unpick. I think. Um, I guess if you were going to look at positives, the you know the cardio looked pretty decent. He, he kept a kind of he kept a kind of similar pace throughout the fight. I didn't I didn't think he dropped off. In terms of his output, if anything, probably started throwing more shots in the second half of the fight. We, you know, normally we're used to seeing that kind of fifth to ninth round. If if AJ is going twelve rounds, between like the fifth and the ninth, he seems to take that dip, and you get a little bit worried about if he's if he's going to gas out. Um, so it was quite comforting to see. You know, he's heavy, he's muscly, completely natural. I'm sure, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it was good to see him kind of uh, kind of keep that that cardio up. But it was a bit of a strange performance, wasn't it? I don't I don't really know how you would describe it, but it was a bit bizarre to watch for me. I don't know what you thought.
0: It was um That was that was the first thing I noticed was the size difference. Like I know they're both heavyweights and anyone over 14 stone four is considered a heavyweight, but there was three stone difference between them. And it was like do you know what it made me think of? This is really nerdy. But the Nintendo, the Nintendo, uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out, and you had the Mike Tyson character that was really huge, <laughs> that was massive, and then you had your character. I think his name was Rocco or something, and you was this tiny little guy, and you would punch up at these huge fighters. I was watching it, and that's what made well, that's what it made me think of. It made me think of Mike Tyson's Punch Out, this huge man against this, you know, medium sized man, and uh, yeah, it was. It was He was massive, but yeah, you, I agree, he, he, he paced it well, because that was, I think, perhaps Franklin's um, game plan was to maybe try and take him into the second half and hope he'll gas, uh, but he didn't gas, but he was very punch-shy, and it was mostly straight shots, it was lots of straight shots, not many hooks, not many uppercuts until kind of the second half of the fight. He did seem gun-shy, but... I think he may take some confidence from the fact that Franklin was able to land that overhand right over the top quite a few times, flush, and Joshua ate it. I think he can take some take some confidence from that. I don't know what you thought.
1: I, I think I tweeted about it at the time. There was a point, maybe in the second round or the third round, where he took a couple of clean shots. I think it was when his nose started to go a little bit. and. Mm. Every time Joshua gets clipped now, mate, he he has this look on his face where he's almost, Mm. you know, it's a rabbit in the headlights. It's a kind of frozen, a little bit of fear sort of washes over him. And and you look at his face and you think, oh, is he mentally going to crumble here? Like, how is he his panic starting to set in? Um, And I, I did see that a couple of times early. But then, as you mentioned, as he grew into the fight, so once they got past the halfway stage... He looked a little bit more comfortable. He didn't look too threatened. You know, he was taking some—he mm. was taking some fairly clean shots. They weren't massive, but but he seemed more comfortable. And for me, probably since the Klitschko fight, I think we mentioned it last week. Mm. That's been the biggest thing for me. Is every time he goes out, he looks super hesitant and worried about taking a shot. And obviously, you know, hit and don't get hit, and all that good cliché boxing advice. But these guys have to be able to to take a shot and. For me, for the second half of the fight was the most comfortable, I think he's looked getting hit and he and he wasn't scared to start throwing back. Um which which was a nice change as well. Every other fight, from Klitschko until until Franklin he's looked a little bit sort of terrified even in the first half of this fight. So that was nice to see. I think he will take confidence from it like you said, but I don't know, mate, I just if I if I look at the fight and I look at Derek James and the link up I don't I don't know if I'm clear on what they were trying to what they were trying to do. I, I'm not sure what the game plan was. I'm not sure how well he was executing what they'd been worked on. It just looked a wee bit. It looked like they were kind of making it up as they went along, round by round, like they were almost reactive, as opposed to let's stamp our authority on this fight. Let's do what we've set out to do. They were reacting to what Franklin was doing. They were kind of chopping and changing, and that's a skill in itself. But I don't know. I, I, I guess I just expected more of a more, more authority and, and more of a a style, like a definitive style in terms of how he was fighting. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: I think you could see that I think you could see from the corner from the corner the, the minute minute breaks between rounds when he would sit you know, where Joshua would sit on the stall, you could see they didn't know each other very well. You could see there wasn't that mm. he there wasn't an understanding there. There was a bit, I think it might have been after round two where Derek james said something and joshua went what i went open open what like what are you saying but it was like it was either you weren't listening or you just didn't understand him and normally trainers and fighters they speak to each other almost in like their own language where it doesn't mean much to me and you but they're saying things that make sense to the fighter and you could see that they don't have much of a relationship which is fine it's fine this is it's the first fight and but it, it you know, it's it's kind of a it's a symptom of jumping from trainer to trainer like he has in the last few fights. You know, Angel Hernandez, Rob McCracken, Robert Garcia, and now Derek James. Ronny's fourth trainer in whatever it is four or four five fights. And you know, it's it's going to take a while for for them to build a relationship. But we can't. What what Joshua will have to do is have a week or two off and get straight back out there again. Get back out to the states and start and start working with Derek James again. So they start to understand what that what that style is going to be between the pair of them. But one thing that stood out to me as well, Craig, was one thing I said to you was two of Joshua's mainstream size, hand speed and volume. When he throws in volume at that pace, he gets guys out of there. And that was my expectation. I thought with a guy the quality of of Franklin, basically not on Joshua's level, that the volume and the speed would mean he'd get him out of there. The volume wasn't there. It was not there at all. That was the concern for me.
1: Yeah, and I think if you... If, if you shrunk Joshua down to Franklin's size and they were both exactly the same size exactly the same weight would would you be confident that Joshua would have won that by five, six, seven rounds whatever the scores were I, I wouldn't I think he imposed his size on Franklin and he used it quite well if they were both exactly the same size I don't know who was who really w- would have been the better man do you know what I mean but that's that's heavyweight boxing somebody's bigger somebody's smaller you, you have to kind of crack on and deal with that but I thought there was there was a lot of spoiling in the fight. I wasn't impressed with the referee. I think it was it Marcus McDonald. Yeah. There was a lot of holding, man. And and there was nothing said about it. He took far too long to break them up for me. Um yep. and as somebody who had financially backed the stoppage, I was like, come on, man. We we, we have to break them up and and let them throw punches at one another. You know, they were just kind of clinging on and they were both guilty of it. And yep. nothing nothing really happened and it kind of went on and on and on. I don't really remember like a stern talking to, given to either man. Uh, so I thought that was quite interesting as well and, and a bit of disappointment. It, it almost ruined the flow of the fight um, for me.
0: Yeah, no, I thought the same. And I was going to ask you about the holding and if you blamed either man. And I agree with you. It was both of them. Um and that whole business after the fight, which I know we're going to get onto, where Joshua kind of grabbed hold of him to kind of mock the fact that there was a lot of holding in the fight. I thought it was both of them. And there was a point where I thought Marcus McDonald was going to say something, but he didn't. And I always feel like if... I think when you, when you say something to both men, it doesn't really mean anything. You're saying it to both of them, so it's yeah, kind of a cop-out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... It makes me think of, but the time when it does work, when you do say something to both men at the same time, both boxers at the same time, is when you're very visual and you're very animated about it. So you think about Audley Harrison and David Hay, right? They did nothing for two rounds and the referee brought them together and did the visuals. We're here to box, chaps. We're here to box. Because what you're doing then is, you're not only reprimanding them both, you're bringing the crowd into it and you're letting yeah. the crowd know what you're talking to them about and then the crowd will go way and then they'll have to box and they'll have to feel that pressure but yeah that was the thing for me. it was a lot of holding from both men and it was not a good fight from about round four onwards it was pretty poor wasn't it and i think a lot of people were paid a lot of money and we got that and it wasn't great
1: no and i think even the even the first few rounds the there was just such hesitancy, wasn't there? From I think he was more hesitant AJ in the first few rounds, and he, he kind of mm-hmm. opened up a little bit. But the, that's when the holding started to come into play, so it almost cancelled out the work that he was trying to do because there was so much spoiling. Um, but yeah, I, it, it wasn't for me. It wasn't a great fight. Uh, I thought it was it was watchable. It was interesting. I almost watch Joshua's fights now as like a an exercise in trying to analyze someone's mental state you know you, you kind of watch for different parts of the fight to see like is this what he kind of gasses? is this what he doubts his chin is it you know how does he respond and all of those little intricacies make it really interesting watching him fight now and that's why people will still watch you know he's he's this massive strong guy people will keep watching him my biggest concern Callum is when did he stop rolling him out when did he stop you know your your Eddie Hearn's or all his mates and his cousins that are part of his massive team. When did he stop feeding them? Yeah, you'll be back at the top. Yeah, you'll win the title back. Yeah, you'll beat Fury. I think they've invested so much money in Anthony Joshua, the zone, match room, and there's so many people that profit from Anthony Joshua at the back end. We're going to get to a almost farcical, dangerous situation where he's still being told he can do it. And he's just being rolled out in front of a crowd that will slowly start to, you know, diminish, and people will care less, and the fights will mean less. When did he just? When did he accept that he's not at that level anymore, or is he no longer at
0: that level? I guess is is a,
1: probably a fairer question.
0: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Do you think there's a, you know, there's probably if someone was to in that circle or somebody who respects and says, "Mate, this ain't for you anymore." I, you, you've you done amazing things for British boxing, because he has, he's done great things for British boxing, unified world champion, three of the four belts, you know, boxed, you know, pretty much everybody other than Wilder and Fury, um, and you can blame me you like for that, Bl- you know, it's usually both, but a, a bit an element of both, but he's he's tried to box as many people as he can, his record, you look at his record, and you look at Tyson Fury's, he's got a better, better record of fighters than Tyson Fury has, even though he's not won them all, um, but if, if if someone turns around to him in that camp and goes, this ain't for you no more. Or you know, you're doing this wrong, this wrong. Not even saying it's not for you anymore. Just saying you're doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. You need to do this, do that. Get rid of all these fucking idiots. Go and go to a British trainer. Humble yourself. La, la, la. Will he just, are they perhaps worried that he's going to turn around and go, I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need to do this anymore.
1: Or, or I don't need you to be a part of this journey anymore. And now you're not eating off me, you're eating off my success. And that, that's what I think worries me. There's so many people involved in the Anthony Joshua project. And they were there the whole way up. And now that they're starting to slip down again, it's almost as though they're... I don't know if, if they're clinging on to the hope that, that one day you'll be at the top of the table again. I just, I just don't see it, mate. And I think... Saturday, you know, there was there was glimpses of good stuff in there. Derek James is a is a top top trainer as well, so you know, let's not write him off completely. But I don't think he'll I don't think he'll regain the world heavyweight titles. I think he can be in some really good fights. I just I worry about how far they, they take it or how far they push the whole Anthony Joshua thing as a, as a product, and how how will it look to the paying public? How will it look to you and I or you know the boxing media? How, how far does it slip and how, how tightly do they try and grasp onto him as like a commercial entity? I think it will be really interesting to see over the next year.
0: Yeah, I, I think the only way he wins a world title again is if one becomes vacant and he gets a gimme. He gets an absolute gimme. Or, or you know, I think Hergovic was, bo- was the boogeyman. And then Zhang has showed us that Hergovic is not the boogeyman at all. And, you know, I think perhaps if, if that belt was made for a vacant IBF... Sorry, if that fight was made for a vacant IBF belt, it would not been nailed on Joshua would win. But it's probably the most winnable, realistic fight out there that, that could potentially be for a world title if a lot of the c- political fuckeries go on with you know Usyk and he's got three belts and all of that um, then that's the only way I could see him winning something but no on on Saturday I, I thought to myself because he was getting hit with shots off Franklin I thought to myself if he got shot off a, hit off a shot by Deontay Wilder or even Joe Joyce he goes I think he panics yeah. even worse and he goes because he doesn't have yeah. that size difference. He doesn't he doesn't have the 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 physical the physical advantages that he had over Franklin that he would over a Wilder or over over um a Tyson Fury. If he boxes one of them or Joe Joyce, he loses and he gets stopped badly. And that I think it'll be white it's going to be Dylan White next, isn't it? It's going to be Dylan White. Um he's not going to fight Fury. That just felt like noise. He's going to fight White and I think that's absolutely fine because Dylan White shots a bits, isn't
1: he? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a decent, it's a decent fight, and if it means he's out in the summer again with the the potential to have a a big fight towards the end of the year, great. Let's let's just get him out, let's get him fighting, um, and I think that makes sense for Dazone as well in Matchroom. Trot him out, have people pay their money, bump up your subscribers by whatever fictitious number you think you'll bump them up by three hundred thousand, two hundred, three hundred thousand subscribers. They thought they were going to get. Okay, no worries
0: yeah it was on sky wasn't it it was on design was on sky for this one but sky sports news didn't didn't promote it at all it was on one of those channels it's on like channel 492 or whatever where it's kind of hidden away um but you know i hope it does well because you know and he actually to be fair when you look at the zone's kind of schedule that's coming up they've got a lot of decent fights that are coming up and on saturday they obviously announced Lee word against mauricio lara too or the other way around sorry yeah. champion first um they've got a lot of good stuff coming up um let's talk about after the fight now that was all joshua right that was entirely his fault wasn't it i kind of felt that was entirely his fault they kind of the fight was over he's then give him a little jab to the back of the head franklin's turned around go what the fuck are you doing um he's then grabbed hold of franklin like they were clinching and then stuck his head underneath franklin's chin that was all joshua right It it was utterly fucking bizarre
1: once again Post-fight behavior from Anthony Joshua, like I don't, I don't know where that cut. Co- he, he strikes me as a really awkward guy these days. I don't know. I don't remember when he was like on the way up and being like that awkward and unsure of himself and not really gauging a situation. It was really, really bizarre. Again, in a totally different way to the to the Usyk post-fight stuff. Um, it was a hundred percent Joshua's fault. Franklin strikes me as a, a pretty normal, rational person. Um, and then it, you know, it all kind of kicked off. I don't know what Joshua was trying to do. I've never, I've never seen that sort of thing happen after the fight. Normally, you know, if they're going to have a little scrap or a tussle, they just get right to it. It was almost like he was kind of half joking, half not joking, taking a pop, but not really taking a pop. It was just bizarre, man. And then, obviously, Franklin's animated strength and conditioning coach got involved, and Tony Bellew got involved. He's a fucking embarrassment, man. Tony Bellew got involved, and you're like, "What is going on here?" Just fucking bump gloves, get your hand raised, and and speak to the crowd, speak to whoever's left in the in the arena. But it was it was just bizarre, wasn't it? I don't know if I don't know if that stems from like a disappointment in his own performance, and he and he maybe acts out a little bit. I felt like that's what it was with Usyk. It was. For me, the Usyk post-fight stuff was that Joshua thought that he was at his very best and it still wasn't good enough, and that's what prompted that sort of reaction and self-combustion or whatever you want to call it. Mm. This one was kind of the same. It was like, is he disappointed? Is he is he making that awkward joke to try and deflect from his own performance or the fact he couldn't stop him? like, I don't know, me, but I, I don't know how you felt, but I felt really awkward watching the whole thing again.
0: It was, it was... You watch... you just... It's strange. It's like you're watching this man combust before our eyes. Like, we're watching this guy just mm. slowly, slowly combust But We've seen it with Usyk, and maybe... You know, someone... Uh, so maybe they have behind the scenes. Maybe somebody said, mate, you need to go and fucking talk to somebody. Like, after mm-hmm. the Usyk fight with what went on with those fucking... 234 people that are in his entourage that somebody (laughs) didn't go isn't one of them a fucking psychiatrist like isn't one of the fucking many many people within that fucking entourage a psychiatrist or someone that can fucking help him out because we are watching this guy who is always you know he he seems to have like a split personality he's over the clean cut golden boy of the olympic of team gb or he's fucking Omar Little from The Wire. It's, you, know, you don't really know what. You don't he doesn't know? And that's always been my thing. You don't know who you are, and he needs someone to fucking talk to and yeah. someone to fucking help him. But even you said earlier, Marcus McDonald was slow to break them from the clinch. He was pretty slow then as well. Because as soon as that tap on the back of the head happened, McDonald should have jumped straight in and go, "Franklin, back to your yeah. corner. Back to your corner now." like see it coming yeah. and even then when he's fucking hugged him and gripped him up and stuck his head he still didn't jump in like it was just now I think it was an awful fucking refereeing performance pretty much from top to bottom really but <sighs> Tony yeah. Bellew like everyone knows how I feel about Tony Bellew well, the, the best thing I can say about Tony Bellew is that I was in the arena when he got stopped by Alexander Usyk that's the best <laughs> moment that, that was the best moment of his career in my eyes um that was a great night for me I just thought I just thought it was um...
1: His scorecard was fucking nonsense as well. Like, obviously I had Joshua winning the fight, you know, quite clearly. Yeah. But I don't think he gave Franklin a round or even a shade of a round until like round ten or something. I he, had gave third he gave him round uh, eleven. He uh, gave him round eleven. He gave him round eleven just because probably he heard people moaning about his card. But yep. I gave Franklin round three. Uh, I'd probably have to go and watch it back, but I felt quite confident that he won round three. Yeah. And I think he probably won it maybe two other rounds that I would probably have given him throughout the fight, but. What's the point? You know, what all Bellew ever does is praise um, praise Anthony Joshua and kind of pretend that he's his mate. i seen a funny tweet where a guy was like, is Anthony Joshua ever mentioned Tony Bellew? Bellew doesn't fucking shut up about Anthony Joshua, but has he ever actually spoke about Bellew in response? But he he's the guy you've got scoring the fight for the people that are watching at home. Why? Why has everything got to be an old pals act? Like, it's? it just takes away from the sincerity of the production. Like, it it devalues whatever it is you're trying to sell us, and then he gets involved in the post-fight skirmish. The the video clip is fucking super cringe, man. Ronald McIntosh is like superbly commentating on it. I think he says Steve <laughs> Vince is divested and stuff like "divested," which is incredible. Uh, the whole the whole charade was was embarrassing, to be honest. And that's why people don't like the matchroom stuff, the Tony you stuff. That's the stuff that winds people up. It's so internalised, it's so like incestuous, and just, it just doesn't have to be like that. There's so
0: many other people you could get doing those jobs. I don't, I don't get it, man. They could get it at, at, The best thing about HBO, right, and HBO towards the end was bad, because they started to get really kind of anti-PBC and it got really weird, but the worst version of HBO is better than design. Like even at their very worst, it's better than design because you've got fucking Jim Lampley there. Um and you've got you've got a former judge doing the scores. You've got get we've had you know, don't get Ian John Lewis. Fuck's sake, but get someone, Wayne Alexander. Wayne Alexander's a qualified judge. Get Wayne Alexander to do it. Like get someone that's a qualified judge or an American judge that used to be a judge. And get them over and score the fights. Because they actually know what scoring criteria is. They actually know how to score a fight. Get one of them over to score the fights. Not Tony Bellew, who doesn't know how to score a fight, can't score a fight. He clearly can't. Because he's always scoring fucking even rounds. Or he's scoring for his fucking mates. And everybody tells me Tony Bellew's a super nice guy. And maybe he is a super nice guy. But I've pretty much hated him his whole career. And I still hate him now. Um, It's just... Uh, just but the thing with that clip was he's nowhere near the incident he's actually the opposite side of the ring you see him come across from one post to the other to get involved when it had nothing to do with him he was there in as a media broadcaster and he felt the need despite the fact that matchroom are known for spending a lot of money on security their security is excellent you don't see it kick off much at a matchroom show because their security is very good tony it didn't need you mate you didn't need to be there um but i don't know it I was you're right whole, embarrassing yeah
1: the whole uh he posted after it didn't he something about he tweeted something about loyalty or something like that And i'm like the very fact that you felt the need to tweet that should be a wake-up call to eddie Hearn and the and whoever the fact that you've came out and tweeted that you're doing that out of loyalty to anthony joshua why are you scoring the fucking fight then why, why are you the guy that's scoring the fight if you're willing to walk 50 yards to get in a scrap to defend the guy you were just scoring? It doesn't make any sense. Um, as mu- and as much as I'd love to sit here and review Tony Bellew's highs and lows, uh, I probably will have to leave you, mate, because work is
0: calling. But it's been an absolute pleasure. That will do. That will do. We'll end on that note. Uh, thanks a lot, Craig. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you, mate.